House of Mystery presents Inside Writing, the radio show where authors discuss their writing process in all genres. And with me this evening, I'm incredibly lucky and honoured to be able to interview James Van Pra, who is um, very well known to myself and I'm sure to many of the um, listeners to the show, including those in the UK. So as an author, producer, personality, and just an amazing clairvoyant and spiritual medium, thank you, James, for joining me today on, on my show. Thank you, Julie, very much for having me. I appreciate it. And having, having looked online at several of your interviews, that's the one thing that people quite often will comment on, that they have a good, they have, just have genuinely good fun when, when they are with you and they interview you. Well, that's also people in my audience who have come to a show of mine and they have no idea what it would be like. And at the end, they would say, well, I never thought you had such a sense of humor. You really are funny. Yeah, and it's so important, isn't it? Because actually, we're, you know, all mediums are people. And if you, if you can't express the, the funny sides to life, then it would be a pretty dismal show, wouldn't it? Yeah, like, really, life is too short. you got to have fun. Absolutely. So what, what coming on to um, just an understanding for, for our listeners um, about yourself, James, and how you sort of fell into um, spirituality and mediumship. Um, you know, you're, you're called a survival evidence medium. What does that mean? To people who don't understand mediumship, what would that mean? Sure. Well, I, I was born with the ability to see spirits and, and to hear them speaking to me in, in kind of my head, kind of my mind. So I'm, I must call them, and I feel their personalities, so I'm called clairsentient, so I can sense their personalities. I hear their thoughts, so that's called clairaudience. And also they'll show me themselves, and that's clairplant. And I see subjectively in the in within. And uh, the, I've always done that at best. And I was always supported by my mother, and she always said, oh, okay, you, know, you can't tell everybody you can do this sort of thing, because not everybody can do this. But um, that, that approval, and uh, it was natural to me. And, but I didn't see it all the time, probably six, seven, eight years of age. And then it kind of stopped into my and then I stopped from my, my 20s when I started opening up meditation and then being at the seeds. And that's really important that you've, you've pointed out the meditation because um, it's one of the areas that, that many people who uh, understand that they have that ability will, will try and bypass. And actually it's the one thing, isn't it, that brings us closer to spirit and allows us that space and allows us to bring that space that's around us. Exactly. And to kind of connect greater. Exactly, Julie. Exactly right. There's got to be a, a sense of um, our soul has to connect with their soul. And we really have to have a, a relationship with our own soul. And the best way to do that is to really sit in the quiet, to start listening to your inner voice. Uh, and that's the, the best way to do that is really to sit in the quiet. I know past mediums and, and centuries past and well-known mediums used to sit in the dark for a long, long time, for many, many years, and really just become, let the spirit world work with the sensitivity, if you will, of their, um, uh, of their energetic bo bo uh, body, and also work with their own normal human, I guess you say, sensitivity. And I was the same way. I sat for seven years every Tuesday night for at least two hours uh, with a British medium, and really to open up my sensitivity, if you will, and that really helped a lot. And nowadays, we live in a society where um, mediums don't feel a need to really sit and develop like that, and I think that's a big error because I think the best way you can develop as a medium to me is to have a relationship with your soul first and foremost. 
And you, you describe um, in one of your videos, have a look at some of the um, excellent videos that you've put online in terms of um, trying to help people with support and develop their mediumship, that for somebody to sit quietly and imagine that space above you, Yes. because that's inherently where, where spirits kind of, uh, I suppose, frequent or, or reside. So can you tell us a little bit more about that, James? Sure. sure. So I, I believe that, and of course, I get my information based upon the da the downloads, if you want to call it that, from the spirit world. And, and I believe that the soul is the mind, and the mind is the soul. And I think physical death, the brain dies of the physical body, but the mind continues on. And I believe that this body, this physical body that we have right now, is just about 20% of the soul, where 80% of our soul is outside the body. And, and I believe that the, the spirit world are all around us uh, and vibrating, if you will, a different frequency of energy. But they're always around us. Um, it's not like this linear physical world where they, they go somewhere and they don't come back. They're connected to us in some way, whether it's through bonds of love or, uh, or a, a certain commonality we share. But they are always with us. They're with us quite often. So the space around us, if we start paying attention and place our, our mind to that space around us, that's when we can open up the door to the spirit world and really start beginning to hear them and, and become one with them. So, again, done through meditation, uh, mind journey, um, focus work, just to open up to that space above us and around us is where they are, and that's how I teach people. And so, on one of your videos, you talk about every time we do mediumship, as though you opt in and out of it. So, is, it, is mediumship for you something that you're able to switch on and then you do? Or is it something that is always with you and spirit can be, if, if, absolutely, if they absolutely need to get a message through, they will just come through? Yeah, so, so the way I developed as a medium, and I think that the, the right way to develop correctly as a medium, is to learn how to open up the, if you will, the energetic centers, the chakras of the body. And uh, it's almost as if a radio, turning on the radio, and tuning in to the station. So I will, before I work, I will open up and I will open up the centers, each center. I'll use the rainbow colors and I'll just open up each energetic center and then I'll put myself through, like, uh, again, a mindset where I'll ask a prayer, I'll set an intention to my guides that I am ready to work. Now I'm beginning, I'm receptive, please begin. Um, not to say that when you're, when you're walking down the street, sometimes the spirit comes to you. Yes, that does happen, but your focus isn't there. The focus is not as clear. So um, I often say to mediums that are just beginning, you can't always be on constantly because it's, your adrenal system will burn out. It, it's very much like a, um, a ceiling fan being turned on and leaving it on all the time. That motor keeps on going on and on and on. Eventually, you have to, uh, it'll burn out if you leave it on. So the, 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 really the adrenal system, the endocrine system of the medium needs to be, if you will, respected and only used when you're going to be doing the work. Now, it's very, very different than a psychic, where a psychic, we're all psychic, every one of us has um, psychic energy, which is intuition, which is the soul's voice. So you can feel energy, sense energy all the time. That's very different than mediumship, which is communication with the higher forces. So um, everybody is intuitive, and usually we're pretty open psychically most of the time. Um, and that's what they're saying, obviously, is that um, we're, you know, all mediums are psychic, but not all psychics are mediums. Correct. Information that comes to me is much more about validating the existence of um, an afterlife um, rather than um, and that kind of communication with spirit that can be ongoing 
rather than um, any sort of psychic. I mean, whilst that can become part of your reading, um, where somebody might give you an indication of, uh, of a crossroad or a bigger decision that's got to be made and, and have some influence over that, but definitely the majority of things that come through to me is about that validation. And, and it's very good to, uh, you know, we talked before about opening ourselves up to that, that space above our head and above us, which is a spirit world. And as a medium, as a developing medium, really what you want to do is to learn how to blend, blend the spirit people coming into your own space and let them really take hold of you and you becoming them, two becoming one. Where through the evidence you can tell, I have a lady here, she has brown hair, she has brown eyes, she died around 73, 74, she talks about um, a heart attack or whatever it might be, you become one with them. So um, that helps with your uh, blending with, uh, and survival evidence. That's really the best. That's why I, why I think using that space to also bring that in blending is important. For you, 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 you are very free and very humble and you're very um, giving of support to people. You, whilst you've got your own school of mystical arts, you've, yeah. and people can pay and, 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 and be supported by you, mentored by you. Yes. You also give many, many free demonstrations of how to develop on yes. your YouTube channel, etc., which most people wouldn't do. So how do you, um, how do they differ from your, your school in this class, those videos on YouTube? All I would say then is why, why wouldn't they give it away? Because it's certainly not their information. It's the skirt world. It's, and it's, it's there to share because I was given this information when I was first starting and I think it's ours to share. That's really what it's, I always believe, uh, Julie, that, um, this is really interesting. This just came to me very recently. Skirt gave, gave this to me in my head where they said, you know, you human beings have what's called um, time, and you borrow time. And just like you might borrow a, 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 I don't know, some item from your neighbor, let's say a, a cup or some dinnerware from your neighbor or, or a friend, whatever you borrow, you want to make sure that you return that item even better than you got it, right? Mm -hmm. uh, the same thing with time. I think we have to return time when we leave this, this world in a better way. Same with the earth. So we borrow our time on the earth. We need to leave the earth a better world than we found it. And if sharing this information does that, which I think it does, then we need to do that. I personally um, go into with my JVP School of Mystical Arts, really the, the nitty, called the nitty gritty of uh, the ways, the methods that I've learned on how to develop as a medium. Uh, and uh, that, that's what I'm sharing with people, how I learned that it would help them. Um, so I, I just give out what I've, I've learned. That's what I, I don't keep anything hidden. It shouldn't be that way. To me, it's just borrowed. So um, one of the most popular questions that mediums get asked, and I'm sure you must tire oh, answering. Excuse me, one second. I have a message. Can I give you a message? Yes, yes. I want to say happy birthday to your mother, Lynn. Happy birthday, Lynn. <laughs> Thank you very much. <laughs> I know she's listening. I want to wish her a very happy birthday. <laughs> she, yeah, she's definitely listening, and that would have made her day. <laughs> Great. Uh, believe me, she's a, a, a very... Um, my mum is very, very much interested in spirituality. She's never kind of um, developed or delved into that herself. Um, I think she thought it was quite a natural thing for, for me to do. She yeah. was a, a in in the days of Doris Stokes. Yeah. Mum was a very very keen um, reader of her books, and she was lucky enough to get tickets. I was about 12 years old, and she was lucky enough to go um, get tickets to go see one of Doris's 
stage events and um, uh, right at that last minute moment she wasn't able to go and I went actually at the age of 12 um, and you, you, you know for me at the age of 12 to watch this lady come out on stage and give all these messages I really didn't have much understanding of what was going on um, and funnily enough and, and weirdly and bizarrely um, I was kind of the, the more spiritually sensitive one in the family it was meant to be that way, and it's very Absolutely. funny to say doorstep because I, I will watch YouTube's of doorstep many times before I go on the stage to get inspiration. She's, um, she was a very humble lady. Yes, I'm a Capricorn lady, very humble. One of the things that um, you know, I was, I was just coming on to before we mentioned my mum's birthday, and we won't mention her age. But one of the things that we were, um, I was thinking about was that as a medium, we quite often um, have the same question asked of us. And you hear many mediums give very different answers, and that is what happens when we pass over, what happens when we die. So why do so many mediums report it so differently? I, I, I don't know. I don't know what their background is. I don't know, you know I don't know what their experiences are. I just know what mine are, really. That's what I'm based on. Um, and I know that, for me, my experience of it is that... Um, there is no death, so uh, it's very much to leave the body painless. There is no pain in death. Um, it's a change in consciousness, if you will. Um, I think our spirit leaves the body every night we go to sleep in our dream state. Um, I know that when we're met there, we don't die alone, but, but there's really, if you will, a reunion of loved ones who come to get us. We, they come to really help us over, greet us. Uh, my friend Olivia recently just passed away. It's at 82, and... She couldn't wait, and she had all these people there that were uh, important in her life, and those that were not really significant in her life, but she knew them, they also came to meet her. So I think that that's our homecoming, if you will. I think that when you all first pass over also, there is what's called a life review. And I think you look back at your life, and you see all the lessons that you've passed and those you didn't pass, how much love you left on the earth and that you didn't live, the opportunities that you had that you didn't fulfill, if you will. So I think there's a little bit of that as well. Um, and I think that every single person goes to their memorial service or, um, you know, or, or service if they have one, uh, but they'll be around their loved ones for sure and letting them know or trying to let them know that they're alive. That, that's quite common. And that's, um, I mean, when I heard you talk about that, about people attending their own funerals or their wakes, that was, you know, it's, it's very comforting, isn't it, to believe that. And, yeah. and quite often, using social media, etc., you will see those images of white feathers, robins, um, etc., floating around, saying, "Well, you know, if you see this, and a loved one is, is close." Um, and I don't believe in I don't believe in those so much. I, I mean, I do I do understand that that, and um, obviously, I'm clearly, I recognise that spirit will try and make contact with loved ones as and when they're able to, and when it's important to. Um, uh, but I think it's quite, it can be quite damaging for people's belief systems when you see social media portray it in such a flippant way. Oh, I agree with you. I, I agree. I, I agree with you. And, and, you know, because you know me now a little bit, I'm very down to earth. When my father did first pass, we had a, a wake for him. And I was speaking with my old principal, a nun, who I had Catholic school, which is, I first of all, she was still alive. She had the over 100. And, and my brother and I were speaking to her, and my father came next to me. My, the spirit of my father came right to me, and he said, thanks for putting my teeth in. I look pretty good. Now, that's pretty weird, because they just commented on his teeth. He put in his mouth, and he's lying there in the coffin. It was strange. But it, it was funny, because that, they are there to see things. I agree with you when you say social media can be flippant about certain things. 
And people often ask me, are the, are the, you know, the birds, the robins, or the butterfly, or the dragon, are those my, is that my dead mother? Is that her? Is that her? And my response to that is yes and no. And they said, what do you mean? It's, well, to me, what it could probably be, more likely, is that the spirit of the mother is standing right next to the loved one and projecting a thought of herself into the mind of the loved one. And at the exact same time, the loved one sees a butterfly and therefore associates mother with butterfly. And I think that's more what happens. Yeah, I think it's um, it's a, it's a shame sometimes when you see those images on social media and they just get passed around and around and around, saying, "Oh, you know, this person, you know, because we've seen a feather, this is what it means." And actually, it's very individual for each person. Um, and like you said, that's that's a much more sensible, and realistic way of thinking about it, rather than there's a feather on the floor that means somebody stood there or they're trying to give that message. Yeah, I mean, that's also how do we know until we pass over, because I think there's so much more in that world, and they can, they can affect things and do things in ways that we really have no idea of in this three-dimensional world. So, you know, who knows? I, I, I agree with you. They got people are very careful and responsible for what they say in social media, of course. That's one thing I found out with mediums and this work, that, boy, responsibility fact is a big one, and a lot of people don't seem to get that when they're working in this field, that they don't, they don't sense, get the sense of responsibility, and to me, it's like working as a, a, a you know, as a medical doctor or a lawyer, or you have someone's life in your hands, and the work as a medium is to really enable people, not disable people. It's really, really important. I was speaking to somebody only recently about um, paranormal investigations, actually, and how we, as mediums, present in, in those uh, situations. And for me, I'm always saying, you have to evidence everything. Yeah. And if there's no, I could say anything you want me to say. Yeah. But unless it's evidence, you won't believe it anyway. That's exactly so, right. And so when somebody, you know, again, I'm sure you find the same thing. People send you picture after picture of um, rooms with orbs, um, and they're meaningless. Not, and I don't mean that in a horrible or flippant way. But actually, in the context of how they were taken, where they were taken, what they meant to that person, what was happening at the time, is very much, for me, I would, I would need to have a very balanced view over it. Yes. Whereas some mediums would say, absolutely, all exist, that's clearly what's happening there, because they're reacting to the belief system of the individual presenting the picture. Yes. When I say to people to send me orb pictures, I say, well, what did you ask the orb when you saw that? Or you, as the first reaction, did you send that a thought? And what was the thought that you received? Um, have a, a little more discovery in it, not just accept it for what right there. It's something, some phenomena, but I don't know necessarily if that's the loved one. So I, I'd like more investigation to be done. Exactly, yeah. And, and I think that's really, it's very important that we, we remain um, evidence-based because that's how we, we, A, I think, improve the communication that we have. It's how we then evidence that, that um, life goes on and that people can communicate. And as you know, you, you said yourself, there's that. The detail is what's important. If people go on stage or they go into one-to-one -one readings and they're offering blasé, vague comments, it's meaningless. Yeah, I'll call it again. It has to be very, very particular. It, it, as, we say, as, as we say in the U.S., and forgive my, forgive my English here in the U.S., it pisses me off, I'm sorry. Yes. It makes me very angry that I see that. I see that a lot. And there are these mediums who say they're mediums, but they're really just psychic. They're not doing mediums, they're doing psychic work. You know, I have a lady here, she loves you very much. I'll leave you with that. Like, what does that mean? I mean, 
it really gets, it, you know, because you really have to work hard to be uh, do the work, and, and it's got to be out of the space. Yes, uh, a medium will every once in a while fall down into the psychic, but there's got to be some evidence coming out of that immediately. I, I'm, I'm very, very skeptical. People find it very funny that I'm skeptical. I say, well, I'm skeptical. I said, how could you be a skeptic? I've always years of doing this work. I said, I'm very skeptical of others who say they do the work, because they have to prove it to me. I went to a place called Lilydale, um, which is Lilydale is a spiritual camp in New York, very famous place. And I went there with the head of Lilydale. We went to watch mediums up in the, called the Stump. It's an outside area. And they had guest mediums go on. And they were all reading psychically. And I said, this isn't good. And she goes, isn't it terrible? And I said, the quality is very, very bad. I said, you can't have the call themselves mediums if they're just doing psychic work. This is, this is not what mediums should do. It's really irresponsible. And it's a... Uh, yeah, I think it's just it's, it's wrong to do something like that. That's and that's always been my thing and doing this work, um, where like I'm against those people who say they are mediums, they're just reading psychically. That mm, I find that not like that. <laughs> Sorry. No, no, I, I totally agree with you. And I think it's as a medium, those it's those it's that sort of almost perfect information that you see makes such a huge difference to somebody that absolutely keeps you focused and keeps you wanting and committed to doing the job that you're doing in the right way. Um, and I, I remember saying to you before that I remember being on stage and somebody um, was in the audience and said, I didn't know this person. And I was talking about her late husband. And then as I was just about to go, I had to give her the, the, the word. The word was Viola, and I wasn't sure what the word meant. And um, I said, I just need to tell you this word. It's a very important word to you. And she said... It is, and she burst into tears, and she said, it's, it's the word that myself and my husband agreed, that whoever would go first, we would give permission to the other person to have a new relationship and to move on. Wow. She said, and the word was Viola. Wow. She said, and I've met somebody, and you've just given me the word. Now, it's information like that that, that leaves you feeling so um, humble to the power that spirit has in being able to communicate that clearly, and for that person, her whole life had changed in that moment. And that's what it's about, isn't it? That, that's exactly what it's about, right there. Absolutely. Um, so I'm, and, and, and I'm, I think I also remember saying to you that I went for um, an interview for Psychic TV some years ago. Um, I thought, well, I'll go and see what this is like. And you have to go through a series of tests. So I did all of that. And you, but when I, I went through to the interview in the studio, it was the same studios as Babe Station. And I don't know if you've seen Babe Station, but Babe Station is almost like a soft porn site oh, on the television where women gyrate with a phone in their hand. Oh, my ring ring. <laughs> And I remember going in thinking, well, I'm, I'm in the wrong place. And I said, oh, no, no, Julie, come on in. And so I went into this interview for psychic TV in a place where women were going up and down on poles. Oh, my God. And, um, and uh, they offered me, offered me some work on, on um, their channel. However, you weren't allowed to use the word medium. You weren't allowed to use, you only allowed to use the word psychic. You weren't allowed to use the word medium, and you weren't allowed to say who it was that had come through. Wow, what's the point? So at that point, it was a no-go for me, because that's not what mediumship's about. Um, so I, I didn't do it because I just didn't think it was it didn't live up to the values that I think we should be holding. Yeah, exactly right, exactly right. Yeah, people's idea yeah. of the ancient and psychic work is very different. It really is what it really is. I think so. That's why we're educating people because we have to enlighten them and educate them to the right what the right definitions of these words are and, and 
and educate those practitioners who don't know what the, excuse my French, what the hell they're doing because mm. they're misusing this misinformation that they're giving out, and that's wrong to hurt people. So, I mean, on that note, though, James, and knowing that you have got a good, good sense of humor, when we start out in, in this world, and, um, and I mean in, in terms of mediumship, um, we have to learn to hold our tongue and to understand that sometimes less is more. Yes, this is true. So can you think of a time that is funny that will make our listeners giggle yes. where your tongue has run away with you and then you've suddenly realized the mistake you've made? Oh, yes. Many, many a time. Um, I, I, for people that know astrology, my moon is in Sagittarius, and Sagittarius is uh, adventuresome, independent, go-getting, and, and my moon is there with the emotions. So I, I like to have fun with my um, students as well as the, the guests I have in my, my presentations, but I was working with one of my students, and I knew she had a very good sense of humor, and this would not have worked if she didn't have a good sense of humor, and it just came out of my mouth, and I'm like, oh, no, try to get that back. And I was, I was saying to this, uh, another student who was doing a reading for, for the students uh, that was, I was working with, it was this uh, platform exercise. And um, uh, I, said to the, I said to the person receiving the message, I said, don't feed, don't feed the medium. Look at her, she's eating enough. And then I realized, ooh, geez, I should not have said that. Because she was a little overweight, the girl. Oh, I didn't mean I was just joking. And I didn't even really look to her until I said I looked and she was a little overweight. And, oh, no, I just, I just, because the <laughs> saying that I have is gone over, don't eat, don't feed the medium. Because you don't want to convey, you know, you don't want to throw that. Yeah. So much information. And then I realized afterwards I said, and I, I said to my, my person there, I said, I, I apologize to offend you. I did not mean to offend you whatsoever. And if, oh, no, I didn't, she didn't get what I was talking about. So I said, so when I, did, I offered another a class um, I was doing and across the country much later on, because I felt guilty. I should not have said that because other people in the class as well. But they got me. I apologize to anybody who offended me. Some of those moments, just like, oops, didn't mean it. And it comes out. So a lot of people, and I know you've been asked this a million times, and again, forgive me if it's something That's that drives you mad, but when people first pass over, some people make a connection very quickly. Other people struggle to make those connections, and it depends largely on, I mean, I, I, I have never connected directly to, for example, my um, nan or my granddad. There's been bits from an aunt, but that it's very difficult for me to make a connection to um, somebody in my family. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. How do you experience that and in terms of yes. people who request? I always reluctant to give a reading for somebody where somebody's only just passed. Because I think that there's, there's a process to go through first in terms of grief. Right. That's very, they're very, very, very wise of you. I, I, I think that people have to realize that just because someone has left a physical earth and they're in the spirit form doesn't necessarily mean they know how to communicate. They might not know the process of communication. Even I found spirits over over a year, two years, they still don't sometimes know the exact process of how to concentrate a thought and, and really transmit a feeling a thought, created, you have this memory and transmit the memory. It takes a lot to do that, from my understanding. And just because someone's passed over doesn't mean they know immediately how to do that. So that is a, a process. Just like on the earth world, there are good um, recipients and there are bad recipients. There are good communicators, there are bad communicators. Same thing in the spirit world. I, I find that for me, personally, when there's a very strong emotional link, um, then I'm able to bring them through much easier with the emotion uh, whether it's unfinished business, whether it's um, something that needs to be said. 
We at Wondery, creators of Dr. Death, Scamfluencers, and Over My Dead Body, go deeper into complex true crime stories to give you an inside look at the facts. And now we're launching the ultimate true crime fan destination, Exhibit C. It's truly criminal. Wondery's Exhibit C gives you the detective's lens of all of the evidence, taking you step-by-step step through the twists and turns of each true crime case. Join the Exhibit C online community to access exclusive show merchandise, member-only content, and to hear directly from top criminal and social justice experts, witnesses, and investigators as they take us beyond the evidence and into the case file. Join now by following Wondery Exhibit C on Facebook or find us on the web at WonderyExhibitC.com and listen to true crime podcasts on Wondery and Amazon Music. Exhibit C. It's truly criminal. Which has never said, that makes it easier for me, I find. For me personally, and I've I found many of my friends who are mediums also have the situation that it's not easy for them to bring through family members of, of their own. It's not, it's not easy to bring their own personal moms and dads and so forth because there's also a part of them which gets in the way. And, and we can't really be... Um, I want to say completely objective. If we if we're able to bring to our mother, it could be thought, you know wishful thinking that I'd like her to say this or that. So it's hard for us us mediums who have a conscience here who to do that. It's very hard because there's emotional connection to it. So, but I have done this. This is really interesting, Julie. You'll find it fascinating. I, I was recently doing a class in Holland, and I've never done this exercise before. And it's this group people said try this. So. We had people sit in a group, my, my class sat in a group, but 18 to 20 people, and I gave them a name. That's all I gave was a name. And if when they were in the power, they would stand up, be in the power, and give information about this person's name, about the person's wow. name. And it was my father. I didn't tell them that. And it was really interesting how once they were in the power, and I teach them, of course, as they stand up, when they're in the power and when they're not in the power. When they get the yes, they're in that power. They can feel what that's like. When it's no, then they're in the power. They got to sit back down. It worked really, really well, and they got very strong details about the work, about where he lived, about his age when he died, how he died. So that was great. So that came from somebody else, you see. And uh, that was an interesting uh, example. Um, also a great exercise for people. But, um, so those are ways I've gotten in contact with family members through, through exercises. And um, you, you described your, your dad saying that, that uh, when he did come through to your office passing, he described the earth as quicksand. And you just kind of get bogged down in it, and then suddenly you're released from it? Yes. Well, my, my father first passed over. He was in hospital when he passed. He had uh, pneumonia, and he was two weeks in a coma. But I saw, his, I saw him above his head. I was able to see his soul there, right there. And he was communicating with me. And I said, it's okay to go. And the family members came in, and he said, it's all right to go. And he finally eventually decided to leave. And then once he knew his house was going to be okay, we could be assured him, yeah. he left. And the first words out of his mouth, in the spirit side of life, he said, I've seen your mother, and this is probably five minutes after he left, five to ten minutes. I've seen your mother, I'm 27 years old, I'm wearing a tan suit. He said, what you do is real. You're real. You got it right, James. This is real. I'm alive. <laughs> he didn't believe in life after death when he was alive. He used to see me on television and didn't necessarily believe I was communicating with spirit. He didn't believe it. So now here he was coming back. First thing he said was, you got it right. I believe I'm alive now. <laughs> so, wow. Praise indeed. Yeah, pretty funny. Pretty funny. You, you, I, I listened to one of your interviews with Bob Olson oh, um, a few years ago now. Um, yeah. Great interviewer, isn't he? He is. And 
you were talking about some of the key things that people want to say after they pass to their loved ones, and they want to give those messages. And one of them was, you know, look, I'm not dead, I'm okay, things are, things are great. Um, and then helping people to move on. And how do you think Spirit best helps people to move on? Well, it, 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 you know, Julie, it, it's hard, of course, in each situation because it's so individualistic. But if we're going to put it more in a more group sense, I, I would say this, and you know, as mediums, we learn also as we're doing the work. We're constantly learning. And one of the things I learned recently, well, not a couple of weeks, well, sorry, a couple of years ago, I would say, and it really was a hard one to give out to a parent. Um, it was a, a son that came through to a, um, his parents, and he died and uh, brought them all the evidence and talked about the altar that they had, the photographs and his jacket, his shirt, and blah, 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 blah. And he said something which was really interesting. Because throughout the evening, I talked about how thoughts are things, and they can see our thoughts, because thoughts are generated in a higher vibration. They see our thought, they see the color of the thought, the texture of the thought. Thoughts are things. So when you think of your loved ones, they see that. And he said to his parents, Mom and Dad, I died once. Don't make me die every day with your thoughts. Mm. So that was really hard to say, but I had to say that for, the, for, the, for this boy, out of respect to him. And it makes a lot of sense to everyone that hears it, because we have to realize that they, they hear our thoughts, they know our thoughts, and they're alive. They're not a thing with their imagination. They're very, very much alive. And it's kind of a little disrespectful to think that they're dead. At least that's from what they say. Of course, being in the human world, it's hard for us in the physical world because we, we want to see it. We want to see it with the physical eyes, but we, we can't. It's really a test of faith. But the, the most important messages have been ones that I'm not dead. I hear your thoughts. I hear your prayers. I don't want you to hold back your own progression of life. I'm here to help you. Sometimes they talk about, I have to leave to help you with your soul's journey. The rest of your, I'm destined to now be in this side of life to help you to progress on your journey in the earth. That's why I had to leave. So it's all these different um, messages about life is not over, life has just begun. This is only a temporary time that we're not going to see each other, but I still influence you every day. I'm around you every day. You don't need to put a picture of me out. You don't need to say a prayer. I hear you. I'm there. You don't need to go to the, um, the graveyard or stare at some ashes. That's not who I am. Um, so it, it's all about moving on. It's all about them helping us with our or our life. Sometimes I've had, Julie, which is really interesting, spirits come through and have said, I died in a past, I mean, you died in a past life first, and I had to wait around, and now, we've now it's turned around. You have to run on a site to stay around, and I had to go on. That's happened before also, which I thought was very startling and really interesting, that, um, and past life regressions that has come through, and, and a spirit message that's come through before too, which I thought, that's fascinating especially someone who doesn't believe in reincarnation. So, you never know. Absolutely. So, I mean, one of the criticisms, I suppose, of mediumship is that people naturally go when they're grieving and when they want to hear something. And I know that you've touched on it um, previously where you've talked about how it's very hard for spirit to come through when somebody is so wanting of a message because it can potentially it can block that message from coming through. Yes. And that's how...
Well, uh, just a couple of things I could just go back to what you said because you said some really important things there. N- number one, when you go see somebody, or, or like you said, if you go to see a medium or, or a, for a reading, a session, you, you try to be as open-minded as you can in that the more you, and a lot of people think this, that the more they think of their loved one, come on, come to them, come to them, come to them, come to them, they're actually blocking the space. They're blocking that space for the spirit to come through. It's very much like a garden hose. When you're, when you're watering the garden, if you have a crank in that hose, the water can't flow. It's the same thing with the space that's around the medium. The more you try to force that energy, it'll block and make it harder for them to come through. So they will tend then to go to somebody they can get through, whether it's a family member or a friend. And when we least think of them, they'll come through. Like we're driving a car, we have thought of them. Or in the shower, we have thought of them. They can get through that way. So the best way is to be open-minded. How can you help them by giving them directions before they go see a media? They should have some kind of directions in that um, maybe you can put a picture out of the loved one a week before, send out a thought, write a letter to them, say, I'm going to be in a media at this particular time. Please try and be there. You've done it. You've sent out a thought. Go get the message. You know, The more you do it, doesn't mean the more they're going to get it. They got the message. On, let them work on the rest of the uh, of the experience, and and that's it. And go to somebody for a reading. If you're going to go see a medium, somebody who's referred to you. On my website, I have a resource page, and it's only those mediums that I've tested myself. And I take them on all constantly. They're constantly being tested because some have not developed further, and they should, and they haven't. So I take them off. So it, it, it's you really should be referred to somebody. I also said um, Bob Olson asked the exact same question. I also think price-wise, monetarily, I think it's an average price. If it's that's what you're being paid, that's fine. If it's extravagant, I would say no. Um, you know, it's an exchange of energy. So if you feel that it's right exchange of energy, that's fine. And thirdly, I'd say pay attention to what comes through. Are there at least five pieces of evidential, detailed information that no one would know about? And I'm talking about whether it's a name, whether it's a birthmark whether it's a t-shirt you have with a name on something specific, whether it's a certain saying, or they really should be specific. It shouldn't be just that you sign somebody says, I love you, and there needs to be some evidence. At least I say, at least I say five to six pieces of evidence. And if not, I would, guess, I would ask my money back. I'd end it. I'd say, this is not happening. It's your imagination. I'm very, like I said, very skeptical. So you, get, you have to kind of go with a, an open-minded skepticism, I think, is the best way. And just to let everybody know, you're quite, you're very particular with those people on your website. Very. So, um, you have a series of tests before people make it to that um, that list of yeah. I, I just authenticity. got yeah. I just got a letter from someone from the public who mentioned that reading with someone on my site, and they were very, very disappointed, and they said it was very general and blah blah. So I pulled them off my site, and now I have to go test them again. So I do pay attention to everybody. Yeah. Okay, so. You're, you're incredibly busy, man, James. And yeah. um, I think I, I, before we went um, on air this evening, um, just letting everybody know, I could obviously see James on our Skype link because I'm in the UK and he's clearly not. And uh, the man looks great. <laughs> and he has been on a European tour and it's yeah. a whistle-stop tour. He's you know, literally one night here, one night there, living life on a plane. Um, and looks like he's just he's been on a Caribbean holiday and he's just kind of just woken up. And then I had to come How back. Do that? And then I had to come back to the election. Thank you very much. Um, <laughs> I, I literally was flying back to the United States when the election was happening. Um, I, I, I just you know it's really funny, Julie. Um, I just came out with a new book called The Power of Love, which just just came out last week, so I'm happy with that. 
I'm working on that. Um, how do I do it? I, I really keep my enthusiasm up and my joyfulness up. And I, I've worked on it in that, um, God, it sounds strange, but I see the bigger picture. I, I wake up every day with gratitude. I do. I think that every day is an opportunity. I think that every day is an opportunity to change another person's life, um, how you interact. And I really, I love to laugh at myself. I am my, I am, I am so corny and I have a crazy sense of humor. As you know, a little bit of it now. I'm a little, you know, psycho. Yeah, yeah. Like, and you have, to, you, so, you have to be able to laugh at yourself and have fun. And I'm so goofy and corny and funny that I'm my best, you know, I'm my best, uh, my best fan, I think, of that. You have to laugh and have a good time. You can't take it all so seriously, you know. You can't take it all so seriously. And I love what I do. You have to love you. You have to be passionate about what you do. And after 35 years of doing this work, and uh, I'm, I'm very happy with how the state of things have been, um, you know, in the world, and things have changed a lot, and as far as mediumship and spiritualism and much more accepting than it ever used to be. And um, so I think I've done my part, and I'm very happy about that, and I continue to do some more, and uh, yeah, I think it's good. I think that's how. And I take my vitamins, I take my vitamins. And I, I drink <laughs> I wine, I like the wine, I drink drink martinis, and... Uh, <laughs> Martini, wine, vitamins, and joy. And laugh a lot. You have to laugh a lot. And yeah. laugh a lot. I had a man recently, I did an event at my last event of the year in Phoenix, Arizona, and there was a man that came up the stage, it was very end of the weekend, he said, I just want to say that when I saw you 15 years ago, um, you were so lovely, and all you wanted to do was have a dirty martini, and he said, I want to know, after the 15 years, I just bought you a dirty martini, and he brings it onto the stage. If you want <laughs> It was fabulous. It was the last event of the year. I said, well, thank you. That's very, very sweet. And that's how we ended the year of my event. So that was very kind. It was fun. And that's how you know you're up there and you've made it, James. Yeah. When yeah. somebody brings you drinks onto the Yeah, really. That really was amazing. I really appreciated that. That was really something to do that and have the thought to do that to someone. That's kind of, I, I yes, love and, and rem remembered that and held that. And yes. that was important to him for that amount of time. I appreciate it. Yeah, it's amazing. But in Ghost Whisper, that series, we did that, and it was very successful. And I was very, very upset at the beginning when they make them creepy and fearful and all that. And I went to the head of the network and, uh, uh, there, and I said, you know, I have a hard time with this because people are going to be frightened. Spiritualities work should be frightening. I said, I'm not going to do the show. I pulled myself in the show. I said, I will only stay in the show. because then you stay associated with it. And I said, I'll only stay in the show if you, at the end of every episode, you leave it where there's a healing that takes place. Whether, the, whether she brings them to the spirit world or, or love is the answer, whatever it might be, there's a healing. And that's why I want to leave the energy with the audience. I, I said it in terms of people, Hollywood people understood. And she goes, okay, we will do that. So at the end of every single episode of The Ghost Whisperer, there's a healing that takes place. And she brings that into the light. Or, and and that's, my, that's my thumbprint on it. That's my fingerprint on that show. Um, but that's what, I had to fight a lot just to get to that point. I had to fight a lot. I remember once they said to me, listen, we want you to go change her costume. I said, change her costume? We need to show more cleavage. I said, you need to show more cleavage and Jennifer Love Hewitt? They said, yes. We want to get the men who buy the cars to watch the show. And, and I listened yeah. to this world. I don't know their, their world in Hollywood. So we worked with the customer. They lowered it a little bit. Tell you, Julia, I was shocked, but it worked. It worked. I got to say, it worked. They got a lot more male demographics, and it was like shocking. And they got the demographics just by doing that. So, I mean, they know their work, but, you know, it's a fine line between, you know, having responsibility and complete recklessness. It's, it's a fine line you got to always be aware of. And even the, nowadays, in reality shows, like, 
I know over there you have Teresa Caputo, Long Island Medium, I think, is now in, in the UK. And, um, that, and, that, and she's a good, good medium, nice lady. I met her once. I, I don't know if she's up totally on all the time. I mean, they don't show that as a producer. You know, I don't know if they should say to the audience, you know, listen, she walked into a, a nail salon, and obviously people don't have microphones on them all the time. So when you portray as her just being right there and she just does it, and people have a microphone on, you got to ask yourself, well, they can't have microphones on if it was real. So it's portrayed that it's real. She goes in beforehand, she makes her contact, she will make the contact, but then they go back and the mic out the person who's receiving it. So it's just how they portray it. And it's just, to me, it's a little, uh, you know, it's portrayed not in the best way. But with the spirit, when I asked them about that, they said, James, think of the bigger picture. The bigger picture is people watching these shows and questioning life after death, that there's life after death. So I said, yes, that, that is true, too. There's, the bigger picture is there, questioning life after death. Where 30 years ago, they didn't have shows like that. We have um, quite a few shows here, one in particular where um, they've had a range of different mediums, um, enter on different investigations and um, I think they're quite short-lived mediums. One of our mediums lasted quite a few series but apart from that it's quite short-lived and one of the um, the guys actually stepped off the show and put a, um, a public notice out on social media to say what is being asked of is not real and yeah. I can't do that because I have to respect spirit and, and, and he was well, very clearly, he was very quickly axed, and everything has come off social media for risk of litigation, etc. Um, but I, 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 I respect that completely. Yeah, I love shows. I love shows. A couple of shows where I refused to do it because they they put one in the they called it in a can. They taped it, and I found out that they were they knew things before. And I said, listen, I can't. Do, I'm not going to be associated with anything like that. This work is too sacred. So you can't do. Yeah, it, it, it's important. It's important, um, again, it's a fine line. You have to be very, very respectful. And it's sacred to me. It's very, very sacred work. And you don't want to make it... It's entertainment, but yet it's sacred. So it's, like, yeah, a fine line, you know, between the two. But if you're going to teach people, and I think, media, I think television uh, can be the greatest medium there is because you can reach millions of people and help to educate. If it's done in the right, with the right hand, it's helped by the people who have the, the education about the work and they're willing to do it. And it's changing. I think it's changing. You know, more people like you and myself to get out there and get from the right space. I think it certainly helps. The hour has gone. Oh, has it's it already? Why oh, we have this yeah. Yeah. I could just carry on. I could just yeah. with me, James, and just sit with uh, It's like like minds. You know, how often do you get to someone who has a like mind, and you like to just converse, and it's yeah, and time flies. When when you first began. Um, your mediumship. I know you, you've heard from many quite prolific people in yeah. terms of coming through from spirit. And quite often, those moments when they're publicized become, um, they're open to, to a lot of criticism. And when we saw Derek Acora here with Michael Jackson, and, and he was completely, um, you know, vilified here, really. And um, and I think we, we, there seems to be a higher amount of criticism given when that person has been so much in the public eye. Yeah. Have you experienced that, or how have you uh, managed that? It's funny enough, um, uh, very, very, very funny, uh, Julia. It's, it's really funny that, that a lot of the celebrities, called so celebrities that I've brought through, have not been done in the public. They've, I mean, one was Keith Ledger came to me. Keith Ledger came to me after he passed away. I didn't make a public, but someone found out about it. And it was actually when I was shaving, and he came through to me and said, I screwed up, I screwed up. 
And he said, can you get to my, I think it was his girlfriend in Brooklyn. And I said, I don't, you know, I don't know anything. I, I think I called um, some of my publicists or somebody about it, but it wasn't made public. And someone else found out about it and made it public. That came through to me. Um, Lucille Ball came through to me once, and she said, um, um, you know, I was, because I, I was always a fan of Lucille Ball. I love Lucy's show when I was growing up. And she said, I was, um, she goes, you know me as a healer. I came back to spread love and, and laughter, laughter through my healing is laughter. That was really interesting. I've had a lot of people come through to me. Princess Diana's come through to me. Um, again, none, none of this was made, well, none of this was made public, but she came through to me to a friend of hers, and she said I was given the opportunity to stay, but I knew I could help my boys from where I was. Um, Edgar Casey's come through me. Um, uh, a couple of times he came through me, and he brought me a, a jacket, a white jacket, and he said, Dr. Von Frog, and I said, why do you call me doctor? And he said, because you've helped to heal many hearts, so we'll call you doctor. That was very interesting. Anyone give me a remedy for my arthritic knee, which actually worked, which was really interesting. Ben Franklin's come through to me. John Kennedy's come through to me. Um, who else has come through? Oh, the other night we were working in Phoenix, and Pope John Paul came through with his name Carl. A Polish relative was in the audience, um, and he came through, and that was really interesting. I was working on another medium, and she made contact, and I kept on saying, the red shoes, the red shoes, and it was just so weird. He came through, Pope John Paul. And it was pretty amazing. I was just blown away. And the next contact she made was a pig. So I'm like, Pope and a pig. But then he was watching media. This is what he was like. You know, you know who's going to come through? We're all the same. Um, who else has come through? Um, uh, Abraham Lincoln's come through me. Um, I went to Churchill's come through once. Um, gosh, who else? As long as I can think of. But, I mean, I'm sure there are a lot more. But I never made them public, per se. I haven't, still haven't done that. I've, um, who else come through? Um, oh, I know. Marilyn Monroe's come through me. She came through me in, um, I wrote a book. I was writing, this girl was writing books. Uh, Lee Strasberg's daughter, Susan Strasberg, back many, in the 80s. Um, and she came through and said, there's a lady named Norma here. And she goes, yes, I know Norma. She was my roommate. I said, she's like an actress. She goes, yes, her name is Norma Rice. Oh, is this Marilyn? She goes, yes. And she said, um, and the only thing she said, when Norma or Marilyn came through to say was, I wish the public would pay homage to themselves instead of to me. That's all she said. Oh. So that was fascinating. It just shows you that it's the same, but it's those, it's those personalities. It's what the humans place on them. They make them stars. They make them bigger than their lives. They make them, you know, Oscar Wilde comes through a, a good friend of mine who's a medium, and Oscar Wilde's great when he comes through. He goes, in your world, it's, 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 um, it's sinful to be normal, but in our world, it's normal to be sinful. <laughs> it's just so perfect, you know. But we, we, we place a lot of stuff on those those souls, and when they pass over, they. Oh, there's another one for you. Elvis Presley's come through. Elvis Presley came through a lady who dated him once, and I met actually several ladies who dated him once and met already. And he said, "I went to a level that I didn't feel I deserved, but because of all the prayers and thoughts from the people on the earth that pushed me to a higher realm than I really thought I deserved on my own." That was really interesting, too, I thought. Yeah, that's right. It's interesting. Yeah. Um, one thing I've noticed, um, James, from, you know, just very briefly really having a look at some of your, your videos and um, images of you, you have a ring on your right hand. It's got a large square stone in it. Yes. And I get a sense that there's meaning. There's, there's a lot of meaning behind that ring. And I'm just wondering whether you would... Yeah. I, I don't have it on me now. I usually only wear that when I'm teaching. Um, Spirit gave me that in a vision, and it's a cobalt blue ring, and I forget where they gave me it. It was, it, wasn't, it was not in the United States, it was somewhere else. 
And they said, this is for you because I'm um, to initiate you and to bring forth the expression, um, teaching expression. It's a throat shop or the blue. And they said, this is going to help you with teaching, with expressing the, the work. I said, okay. So whenever I teach, I usually feel very, very comfortable wearing that. It's a blue ring. Yeah, blue cobalt, blue ring. Got my right finger. It's very, very true. Very, very observant of you. And, yeah, uh, I, I saw it, and I, and I knew I had to ask about it, and I was just and I don't wear it, that, it's, that it's important, and I needed to speak about it. Yeah, I don't wear it when I'm working, when I'm not working, I don't wear it, because there's a vibration I get, it's a different energy, but I know, it's almost like every demo I have, I have to have it on. I don't know, it's become that, I don't know, maybe it's my doorway in. It's just interesting the way, I, mean, I think so, and sometimes these things do come to us in that way, so I, straight away, I, I was taken straight to the ring. Um, and I wouldn't normally comment on a jewelry that somebody may be wearing. But a lot of people do. Yeah. I think it's which is really interesting. You, it was important. James, it's been a pleasure. To uh, thanks. You. Um, thanks very much, Julie. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. It's really appreciate having you having me on. For those, those people who have been listening for the past hour, we have heard not only a little bit about who James is and about how busy he is and who, how he's dedicated his life to spirit, but it's about his, his values and how he doesn't deviate from them. And I think that for those of us who are either developing mediums or who are out there working with spirit already, um, have a look at James's site. Um, it's just um, it is filled with, with so much information. Um, just type in James Van Prague, it'll all come up. His website will come up, Twitter, etc. And it will show you all the videos, all the courses he does, um, how he, you can develop your skills in, in a way that is true to spirit. And I think that's, that is probably the most important message tonight that we've heard, is, is just being true to spirit and respecting spirit and not expecting um, everybody to understand that and everybody to, to, to believe in, in what we believe in. We've heard about how those kind of ethical standards that, that James continues to hold dear um, has really supported him through the 30 plus years. See, I'm, I'm being very kind here, just going 30 plus things. <laughs> 30 plus years um, that he's been working. Um, we've, we've touched upon some of the things like you know, when people talk about feathers appearing in front of you, um, pennies, robins. We've talked about going to the right person, people that are recommended because of their, um, their their skills, because of their development, because they've taken time to listen and develop their working with spirit, because they, they do have a set of values that mean they will help you in any way they can, rather than take your cash and give you a cold reading, which we all know that people can do. And we've learned about um, um, how important it is to meditate, We've heard a little bit about um, the fun that James has in terms of his reading, some of those, those people that come through, how he manages all of that. Um, and I just want to uh, reference some of the many books that James has written. So, James, what's, your, what's the book you are most proud of? That's very hard to say because they're all my children. But the most recent one I just did, which came out last week, is called The Power of Love. And I wrote that, I'd say it took 35 years to write The Power of Love, because, as you know, it's the bonds of love that we create on the earth that really the way that spirit comes through the living now. It's the, the loving energy they come through with. And the book is all about the, the, that energy, the, that power, 
that the spirit people use to come through their loved ones. So it's called the power of love connecting to the oneness, which will connect to that oneness. So that's the book. I think if anybody have a look at the website, have a look on Amazon and buy the book, and um, you know just keep following James because he's absolutely true to spirit. He's good fun. Can't wait to have him back on the show. It's been a, it's been amazing, um, on and off air. And uh, James, all the best, and, and hope we just continue to keep hearing from you. To find out more about our show, guests, or listen to a previous show, visit our website at www.somethingweirdmedia.com. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. Hi, I'm Christopher Kimball, host of Milk Street Radio. If you'd like to change the way you cook and also think about food, please check out the Milk Street Podcast. We travel around the world to find pizza in Tokyo, Egyptian food in Berlin, and Bhutanese farmers in Vermont. We speak to Jamie Oliver, Rachel Ray, Al Roker, Ina Garten, as well as Michael Twitty, Marcus Samuelson, and Alice Waters. And we'll introduce you to recipes that will change the way you cook, from bright pink Tottenham cake to Afghan dumplings to shoyu sugar steak, and that one is direct from Hawaii. It's a whole new world of food right here on Milk Street Radio. Please check us out on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you find your podcasts, or go to 177milkstreet.com. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com. You've been listening to the House of Mystery radio show. To find out more about our guests, hosts, or shows, go to www.houseofmystery.com. Show's over for now. Was it as good for you as it was for me? Well, good night. This has been a production of Something Weird Media. I'll be back.